How do you approach investors in a time when people rarely make money off of movies? What even goes in a business plan? Why should you put your own money into your film? Why shouldn't you prejudge potential investors? Why is getting a mentor essential and what does it have to do with all of this? We're going to dive into all of that with filmmaker Scott DuPont in this episode about the five big shifts you must make to fund your indie films. This is the Working Director Podcast, a show that helps you go from emerging filmmaker to working director. As a filmmaker living in Los Angeles, I've directed over 130 projects, including six distributed feature films, all while helping filmmakers figure out how to level up in their careers. I do this show with one goal in mind, to help you become a working director. And if you want to join us for the live Q&A sessions and ask all of your questions, make sure you join our free private Facebook group by going to theworkingdirector.pro. Very happy that he's here because one, you guys are always asking me, how do I get financing for my movie? And two... I discovered his podcast a few weeks ago. It's called um, Finance Your Movie. And I binged it. Like I listened to pretty much every episode for two weeks straight once I found it. So after this, go listen to that. But we have him today. and We're going to talk about the five big shifts you must make to finance your indie film. Let's get into it. Scott. Thank you so much, Jen. It's really great to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm going to jump right into the five big shifts that hold almost all indie filmmakers back from getting their independent film financed. Um, I wish I had this information 30 years ago when I started. I developed a system and a lot of this was trial and error, but it works. I've done like two dozen films and raised millions and millions of dollars. But before I jump into these five shifts, let me just disclose what this is not going to be about because I don't want to waste anyone's time. So if you're an indie filmmaker out there and you've got a great project and you want to get into one of the rooms at one of the big SVOD streamers like Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu and you want to pitch one of the big studios or networks, that's not what I'm going to talk about. Um, I've gotten into some of those rooms and I have not successfully had a, a pickup for a $5, $10, 20000000 million film. I haven't even been able to option anything. So this is all about you going out and financing your own movie. Uh, the other caveat, before the pandemic, the hard line in the sand that I always drew was about $2 million or more. I had some friends that have done three, five, seven, nine million dollar independent films. A lot of them have been bloodbaths for the investors. Uh, right now, I think it's a safer number, about a million five and under, because post-pandemic, not a lot of indie films. In fact, I can count all of them on one hand this year, truly independent that have gone to theatrical. And if you have a million dollars or less, you raise the money yourself, there's a really good chance if you know what you're doing, you get some luck on your side, you can make that back streaming. So you're trying to raise a million, a million and a half or less. Here's the five big shifts that will help you. A lot of these are very counterintuitive, but take some notes if you want, because these absolutely, uh, this, is, this is what I do. Number one, share the bad news up front. What I mean by that is I, I hear so many people pitch projects, or they have these really fancy schmancy pitch decks and they're overhyping. They're overselling. Oh, we're going to get this big name star on a half a million dollar budget. And we're going to do this. And we're going to go to a few festivals. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to sell it to Netflix. It's a lot better if you take the approach where you 
one of the first things you share is like, look, my name's Scott. I'm an indie filmmaker. I've been doing this for a while. In case you know, you're done with me and you go to Google, you're going to find out that 70 to 90%, depending on which study you look at, of independent films are not going to get finished, financed, or make any movie. So why don't I just tell you that up front? Now, here's why Scott DuPont's a little bit different. And I rattle off, boom, 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 a couple of reasons, right? So you obviously have a couple of strategic things about your project that you're excited about. But if you share that up front and say, hey, first of all, I'm not a first-time filmmaker. I've been in the business a while. We've got a great team, yada, yada, yada. But by disclosing that bad news up front, you show your true character. And he's like, hey, this guy's being upfront about this. And he gave us a lot of supporting reasons why, one, two, three, and four, why, hey, this could possibly be a home run. And Scott or whoever you're, you know, whoever you are when you're pitching it, this guy or this girl, they're doing a couple of things to minimize the downsides. Because I see so many people, they don't bring it up in the, in the conversation. They're hyping, they're hyping, they're hyping. They're eventually going to get to it in the business plan or the investor agreement anyway. They're going to read that risk disclosure paragraph, which if you're halfway honest and ethical, you have to have that. So why not just share that up front so that it really reveals your character and it almost takes the pressure off you as the guy pitching your project because like, wow, he's not like a hype meister. I'm, I'm going to listen to this guy and I might actually trust this guy. Uh, number two, learn the pitfalls. You could call a pitfall really an obstacle or an objection. Learn the pitfalls, the obstacles and objection that no one talks about. Okay, They don't talk about this in film school. Veteran producers are not going to tell you this because they've been through the battlefield for dozens and dozens of years. But you need to figure out what some of these are. Um, for example, uh, one of the pitfalls is, say, the minimum investment share on your particular project is 10K. Okay, You're going to be sharing your business plan with a lot of people. You just need to know in advance that liquidity for 10K, if that's the minimum, it's probably going to come up quite a few times. So if you know that in advance and you know kind of a strategy or a workout or a way to bring that up. So for example, on the 10K thing, what I do a lot of times is like, hey, this is my project. Here's the budget. Um, minimum shares, 10K. If you want to be a, a co-producer, an executive producer, you know, there's a lot more money. You can buy those titles. And I I can kind of sense by their body language or some of the words words they say, I'll be listening for them. If I sense that that's coming up right away, I'll say, oh, by the way, don't feel like I need the 10K all up front because we got post-production costs, we got marketing costs, this whole process of making the film, getting it to distribution, sometimes can take six, nine months minimum. So... If you're a little bit tight for cash right now on your cash flow, I can break that 10K up into two or three payments to make it easier for you. And I can even do that on a credit card. So that's that's an example of what I mean. So you need to learn in advance what some of these pitfalls, obstacles are that people will bring up. Number three, this is a big one. I call this the secret weapon. 
And you need to break this rule. This is the number one rule they teach at almost every film school in the country. And I know this because I talk at a lot of film schools. The number one rule they teach at film schools is don't use your own money to make your own film. Now, the reason people at film school say this, they know you probably have a ton of uh, student loan debt getting out of school. They know how risky an independent film can be, especially if you're just out of film school. You haven't, this is your first feature. There's a reason for that, right? But once again, counterintuitive. One of the objections, what I just, 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 I just talked about in number two, the first or second objection you will get from almost every investor is this question. I get it all the time. Scott, how much skin do you have in the game? Scott, how much of your own money have you put into this ABC project that you're sharing with me? Okay. Now it doesn't really work. Well, I spent six months writing this script. It's like, well, I've been attached to this for two years. You're not listening to the potential investor and you're not answering their specific question, which is how much money have you put in? Okay. Now, Granted, a lot of indie fil filmmakers, even myself, from time to time, we're going up, down, up, down. I don't always have ten, twenty thousand dollars of seed money to put in development. But if I don't, if I'm really, really tight, I'll throw two thousand dollars on a credit card to pay some legal fees. Okay, that are legitimate development expenses. Or if I want to get a property, I don't have the script rights. I'll, I'll. You know, put $1,500 on an option on a credit card, just a short-term option. Um, a recent project we did, both myself and my director-producer partner, we didn't have any money to put in, but his son put in the first $25,000, okay? So however you want to address this issue, when that question comes up, so Scott, how much money do you have in this film? I'll be able to give them a very specific answer. It's like, well, I put the first $1,500 in legal fees, or I was able to put $5,000 in myself, or you know, our director's son put in $25K. Answering that question that you or one of your team members, one of your producing partners actually put in the first money, it's another kind of like the bad news up front. It's another like, you, you can sense it in the potentialist investor's uh, body language. If you're on a Zoom or if you're on a face-to-face -face meeting, you can hear it in their voice if you're on the phone. They're like, oh, that's good. Because they know what, what's really, really pathetic is when you refuse to put even a thousand bucks into your own film. This is your passion project. None of your other producing partners put in any money. None of your friends or family members have put in a penny. But... You're going to go to some stranger and you want them to invest $10,000 or $50,000? It doesn't pass the smell test. Number four, the shortcut. So a lot of people, they get so hung up chasing what I call the big kahunas, the big multi-million dollar whales, the big billionaires. And a lot of those people, unless you know those people, they've already got people in their circle of influence. Uh, for example... Larry Ellison, obviously, is probably going to take a look at Megan Ellison's film 
before she takes a look at uh, my film because I don't know who Larry Ellison is and Megan is Larry's daughter. So the shortcut is you don't prejudge anybody. And I mean anybody, unless my sister right now is handling the finance for my 90-year-old mother and she doesn't have a lot of money. She's on a fixed income. That's a whole other sidebar we don't need to talk about. But I'm not going to share my business plan with my mother on my next project because my sister and I have her checkbook. She's not a potential investor. But there are so many crazy, unique life circumstances that happen. Every single one of my films, swear to God, I get one of these five things. I get a lottery winner. I get somebody who just collected a big inheritance. I got somebody that was on the right side of a lawsuit. Um, I'll get somebody who maybe themselves or their family member just sold a big piece of property or a business. So things in life happen. You have no idea what their financial situation is. So the shortcut is you stop prejudging and you also, you change the whole approach of a big pitch and you're like, you're getting ready for this big, you know, uh, trying to catch this big whale. You just get a killer, killer business plan and you're sharing it in a non-threatening, really like, hey, you want to take a look at this? This is a really exciting movie. I'd love to talk to you about it. Like, it, you're almost like just minimizing the hype factor and you're getting it out to many, many more people and you never, ever wait anybody, even if they say, hey, we'll get back to you next week, you don't stop sharing your business plan until the first check, the next check start coming in because you wait, you could lose 30 days. If you prejudge, you're going to be missing 10, 20 people in front of you who could easily write a $50,000, $100,000 check for your next movie. The big shift number five is get a mentor. Bring on an experienced producer, somebody to your team where there's a hole that's missing, and that is the shortcut to getting your money. So let me give you a very specific story. My very first movie, independent movie, that I was raising money for is just over a million dollars. I had not done a single feature film. Uh, my director writer, writing partner, had never done a feature film. It's actually crazy what we were trying to do in 1998. But the shortcut that we did, when I'm advising you to, we needed somebody that had some gray hairs, meaning somebody that had lots and lots of experience. So I was living in Orlando, Florida at the time. We paid this guy named Tracy Frankel to come on board as our supervising producer, paid him a small amount of money. Doesn't take a lot of money to get somebody attached if they're really excited about their project and they can be part of it. So in our business plan, it wasn't just Scott who had acted in a bunch of movies. I'd done a few shorts. Our director who had done several shorts and he really, really had talent. We had this guy, Tracy Frankel, in our business plan that had produced lots of movies. He had gotten distribution for his movies and he had made money with his movies. That's what I'm talking about. The mentor, the veteran producer, get somebody on your team that you can list. And that's the shortcut to getting your money. It's hard to know in this business who's for real and who's not for real. 
Do you have suggestions on people for people on when they are deciding to bring somebody on, especially if they're going to pay them what they should be looking for? If you can't find somebody that's done several feature film, not shorts, not music videos, has done several feature films, hopefully in the budget range you're talking about, that person may not be the best person to be added value to your team. Um, if you want to reach out, there are other people that have raised a lot of money for features. If you want to talk to someone else, like I'm not the only guy in town, that's great. Like, I, like I'm not the only show, but I would ask that person, how much money have they raised for how many projects? Because every once in a while, you'll get some guy or some girl that did a feature, but it turns out when the curtains pulled back that it was a micro budget. And she only raised $35,000 in hard cash. Now, I'm not saying you can't make a movie for that. You can get very, very creative. But it's better if you work with somebody that's raised a million and a half dollars cash or someone that just did a half million dollar film. So find out whatever component on your team that you're missing and make sure that person has those skills and check the IMDb. And filmmakers, on top of that, always trust your gut. If there's something in your gut saying there's a red flag or this person isn't right, I don't care how small the feeling is. You have to trust it. And you don't even have to burn the bridge. Just go your other, go another way with that. Um, and sometimes somebody's great, but they're not great for that particular project as well. So there's a lot of factors. Questions are rolling in. We'll start with John who asks, when asked how much money you invest in your own film, I think we're talking about number three uh, in the big shifts. How can you translate hours spent working in a monetary amount? So if you, you've invested 80 hours of work into a project, can you tell a potential investor that you've put a couple thousand based on your physical work you've already done? No, that and, and that's where a lot of my friends, a lot of indie filmmakers get stuck because you're asking someone else to put in hard cash. We, we already know that this is a passion project for you. So you should be eating, sleeping, and drinking this movie for years before you get the business plan finished, right? And it's there's something different when you say, hey, you know, I don't have any money. Like my partner and I, we've been putting years in this, but my partner's son, he put up the first $25,000 investment. Or like I said, hey, I don't have a lot of money right now, but I put $1,500 in my credit card. Another time, I didn't have, you know, my thing's up and down. I mean, sometimes I put $50,000 in my projects. Sometimes I just don't have the money. Even when I don't have the money, I will, uh, one time I brought my brother in and I said, hey, I did, great question, by the way. And I've been working on this thing like 80 hours a week, but I know that's not what you want to hear. But my brother, since I didn't have cash, he put in the first $5,000. So we have cash in. How do you approach people with money to invest in your film in this environment, especially when residuals from streaming as well as poor box office returns for indie films, and they could see that they're basically throwing their money away? Well, there's a, there's a couple things to that. Um, first of all, before you even approach anyone, you have to have a bulletproof mindset that Hey, with my particular film, we, we, we know there's risk. Hopefully everybody on this program, you're taking the time and I applaud you for taking your time. You're honest, you're ethical, you're here to learn. 
um, you need to have the mindset. Yeah, you know there's risk. You're disclosing it up front. You're sharing the bad news. But you also know in your heart that you could have the next Blair Witch Project. I don't really think to anybody when I'm approaching that they're throwing their money away. I think, hey, I've got some things in place in my business plan to minimize the risk. My budgets are very, very conservative. That's why I don't go up to $2 million anymore. And there's a shot that my next movie could go gangbusters. Another great thing, I have one movie. I'm not in my main office uh, today, but usually on my uh, office wall behind me in Hollywood, I have films that are about 20 years old that are still generating revenues for me to this day. So that's kind of an exciting thing. Um, and then I think the first part of your question is like, how do you find investors? Once you have a business plan that's killer, and I mean, this thing has to be killer. Even if you have to bring an export on board to help you with this business plan, this is like your business card. It's got to be perfect. I don't make a big deal about it. I just talk to anybody and everybody when I'm out and about. I call people up and say, hey, Scott, what's going on? I was like, well, I'm getting ready to do this really, really cool project. It's a documentary that literally we think will change the world within two years. That's like the log line. And then I go, really? Yeah, I'd love to share a business plan with you. So whatever your excitement is that you're sharing with people, you just want to get as many business plans out as possible. For someone who listens to Scott's financial movie podcast, there's the running theme of like everybody and their brother and their mother needs to know about your project and how excited you are for your project and passionate about your project. Because as he said, can't judge who might be the next person who invests in your movie. Um, and it's not about going and asking everybody for money. It's, it's more about sharing this awesome project you're doing and getting them excited about it. And that shift for me is what my brain needs because I am somebody who does not like asking for help as it is, especially when it comes to money. So shifting to like my excitement to share a project has absolutely changed everything. One more kind of layer to that. A lot of people, well, I don't want to talk to my sister-in-law because if she loses all of her money, God, like Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner is going to be really, really awkward. Okay. So what you just said, Jen, your point is not to try to get your closest family members, your closest friends to invest. Your point is if you don't share with your sister-in-law or your next door neighbor, who's a multi, multi gazillionaire. Okay. And other people in your neighborhood find out, well, did you talk to Bob yet? The billionaire? Oh no, I didn't talk to him. Right? Then it's going to look like, oh, well, you're not talking to Bob. So if you share with everybody, you're not going to have any problems. And eventually people are going to talk. It's like, yeah, Scott talked to me. I just didn't have the money. And then someone else might come on and invest. I think you've also had those stories where you've talked to somebody who didn't have the money, but they've given you, they're like, oh, but so-and-so can totally be into this. So you just don't know. Yeah, and that that usually doesn't happen till the end. Um, you're for almost like a crowdfunding campaign, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. The most, and we've all seen them. You're like, oh my god, how did those guys like raise fifty thousand dollars in a month from donations? Well, one of the reasons they raise fifty thousand dollars in a month or two is they know who their five, ten, fifty, five hundred dollar donors are when they launch the project. And they have this momentum right out of the gate. 
you need to do the same thing with an equity investment. You need to know your brother, your friend, somebody that you know. It's probably not going to be a couple of complete strangers who don't even know who you are that put in $10,000, dollars $100,000. doesn't usually work out that way. Now, what you just said, Jen, towards the very, very end, that's when sometimes you can get complete strangers. So in my case, uh, Movie Money Confidential, that documentary I just mentioned, the very, very end, I was only looking for two or three more investors. I talked to everybody, right? I talked to this guy named Bobby Biddle, who I went to summer camp with like 40 plus years ago. Bobby, we're just catching up on the phone. It's like, hey, what's going on? It's like, well, I'm doing this really cool movie. Can I send you a business plan? Send him the business plan. Oh my God, this is really cool. And then the next week, he sends in like thinking like a $5,000 check or whatever. He goes, hey, my business partner, this would be really fun. I want to bring him involved. Is that okay? It's like, okay, I've got like two more shares left. And he brought his business partner in. I didn't even know who this guy was. He signed the paperwork, of course. But that usually happens at the end because of all this momentum. Formasay Artistic Productions, what do you think are essential topics, elements in a business plan? Um, so a couple of the things that I always include in my business plan um, Sometimes you include a mission statement. You should have a mission statement irregardless whether or not you can fit it in your plan or not. And a lot of people say, oh, well, that's only for big businesses or that's only for these corporate. No, if you're doing a film, you should absolutely, and it might take a couple of days with your team, but that's really, really important. Um, then you want to have the log line and the synopsis because I never, ever let investors read a script. Okay, the only thing they're looking at is a log line and a synopsis, and that's got to be clear, concise, just attention grabbing. Then after that, I have the team members. It's going to be your, um, uh, by the way, log line synopsis that also applies to a feature length documentary. Obviously, there's no script, but you know what the outline, you know what the structure is going to be. So uh, narrative or documentary, log line synopsis. That's kind of your story. Uh, the team, that's going to be your writer, director, producers. Really, you don't really, unless you have like an Emmy award or an Oscar award winning DP that you have a connection to or an Academy award winning composer, you don't really need like too many crew members like, you know, makeup artist, costumer, wardrobe, all that stuff. Not not to diminish those departments, but they're really looking for the keys. Um Here's kind of like a stumbling block. I see a lot of people fail is they put the cast, the cast wish list. And they put like Ryan Gosling or, you know, we're going to bring someone in like Brad Pitt or Liam Hendworth or, or you know, uh, you know, just just nonsense. They're probably not going to get an A-list actor on a $200,000 budget. Okay. And then if you have these you know, these A-list Academy Award actors in your business plan, like these are the types of actors we're trying to, to get. And you end up with some TV actor from the 1990s and you're on set explaining to your investors, well, this guy had a show on the CW network for six seasons. Like, well, I still don't know who he is. Like, it's just a disaster. Um, I also don't like putting in things like, oh, here's like, here's the projected revenue, right? That to me, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. I do a comparables table. So if I'm doing a, um, 
let's say, a half million dollar raise on a documentary film. I want to look for other documentaries from a hundred thousand to a million dollars that have done really well, that have generated their budget back, some that have made millions, some made ten, tens of millions. So they at least see that if you hit gold, if everything works perfectly, this half million dollar documentary we're doing could make two million, five million, ten million dollars. Um, then your last page, oh, oh, another important page you want to have, and a lot of people, they're either making this too confusing or they're just missing this altogether. There should be either a table or a pie chart that shows with a paragraph explaining if I put $10,000 in or whatever your minimum amount is, what does that get me? So on one of my business plans, the minimum was $5,000. There's a paragraph that says, if you invest $5,000 and it shows a little pie chart, you have one gross ownership point of all revenues of this film in perpetuity. So they know exactly what they're buying, okay? And then it also shows the money flow, how that comes in. Of course, the last page should be all your contact information, your email address, your phone number for the main producer who's ever sharing the business plan. Um, and then if you have an entertainment attorney attached, which is always a good idea, have his or her name at the bottom. No one ever calls your entertainment attorney, but it just gives this warm, fuzzy feeling like, hey, these guys know what they're doing. The cast page. So do you list characters at all or you just avoid? If, if it's a character-driven piece, I will list the characters. Um, but I don't put pictures of big A-list stars. I don't portray we're going to put this type of thing. Now, if I have relationships or people I've worked with in the past, I will put a paragraph, hey, Scott has worked with these people in the past. Um, we are going to try to get name talent. And I'll be very, very specific what that name talent is. And one of my projects, I literally defined it as somebody who had an Oscar, somebody who had at least... Um, one or two Emmys and been nominated for an Oscar, someone who was considered A-list, someone who's opened a picture with over $100 million. So it's very specifically outlined. But normally I don't put that pressure on me. And here's kind of another thing that I do that every other filmmaker seems to do backwards. Because investors are going to know, so you weren't really specific on what actor you have attached yet. That's what they say to me. They go, yeah, you're right. Because if I start reaching out, and I know a lot of the agents and managers in Hollywood, if I start reaching out to people today and I can't answer the very specific three questions that I get asked every single time I'm trying to get a talent at, they're going to hang the phone up at me. Like, oh my God, Scott, what are those three questions? And I'll tell them, number one, do you have POF, proof of funds? Number two, Scott, what is your SAG bond ID number? Number three, Scott, do you have the exact shooting schedule and what is the window you want my client Danny Trejo for, right? So if you can't answer those three questions, it's a clown show, okay? And you're competing right now, you're competing against Netflix, HBO Max, 
Disney. It's not just other movies. You're competing against all the other streamers that are throwing money at these people. So my strategy is I have kind of a, a definition of what type of actor I want to get. And I explain, sharing the bad news up front to my investors, here's what I'm going to do. Once we get half a million dollars in the bank, I have a list of about 30 different agents I'm going to call up. Okay, We're going to make Danny Trejo a low ball offer. We're not going to insult his agent. We might pay him $5,000 a day, even though he gets a lot more from the studios. And we're going to bring him in for four days. And I'm going to answer those three questions with confidence. And if Danny Trejo is in LA, I'll know whether he's in LA or Canada when I call him. We will get Danny Trejo. I know Scott works with people. Uh, if you go to financialmovie.com, you can actually see about hiring his team to help you in different aspects of what you do or what you need done. Scott, have you ever done any crowdfunding? I have not yet, but three of my friends, good friends, have used WeFunder, which is crowd equity funding. And typically, here, here's what I've gathered because I have not done it yet. I'm, I'm probably will on one of my future films. If you're doing a million dollar or high, like say between 1.1 million and say one and a half million, if it's on the high side, just on the high side of a million, I think WeFunder makes a lot of sense because you can reach out to a lot more people. And when you get to the million dollar mark in straight equity cash, it's a higher minimum. And it's going to be tough. It's it's tough right now to raise a million dollars. So in that application, WeFunder definitely could make sense. Somebody else asked about the business plan. If you just want the business plan alone, there's a great lady that I would recommend you consider talking to. Her name is Louise Levinson. She actually wrote the book called Filmmakers and Financing. And um, she's really, really good. And she actually has a newsletter that you can get for free full of information. Um, okay. And I believe it's at moviemoney.com. You can find her newsletter there. We are so definitely out of time. Everybody, thank you. We're getting, lo you're getting lots of comments. Thank Kate says, thanks so much for all the specific information. Really appreciate it. Uh, John says, this was gold, Scott. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for asking intelligent questions uh, deep in the conversation. You are going to get a lot more, though, if you go to Financial Movie, uh, the podcast, I'm telling you, binge it. You will learn. You will get all, you get so much more. It'll just, just keep, also a lot of the stuff we talked about will just continue to be ingrained in you until it clicks. So um, feel free to reach out to Scott. Of course, always go to our Facebook group. And uh, I guess that's it for now. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Working Director Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review as it helps others find the show and helps us keep making great content for you. And if you want even more help with your directing career, check out theworkingdirector.pro where you can apply to be part of the accelerator that hones in on where you currently are and helps you get to where you want to be. Whether it's this podcast, the accelerator, or our free Facebook community for directors, we're here to help you get to work.